Welcome to the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. This podcast will give independent insurance agents all of the tools to grow your business and live life on your terms. Wherever you are today, if you're starting with nothing or well on your way to the success you desire with the right people, processes, and promotions in place, you will be unstoppable. And now I'd like to introduce your host, Mike Stromso. Hey, everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. I am excited, beyond pumped to have on the podcast the one, the only Mr. Bob Berg. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mike, great to be with you. Fantastic. This is a very special podcast because this is a lead up to, uh, I'm sure you've heard about it, but if you haven't, uh, not only are we going to learn more about uh, Bob and what he's currently doing uh, and the incredible wisdom this man brings, but He's going to be live at the Be Unstoppable Bootcamp, and he's going to be sharing uh, in San Diego this year. We are excited, and this man has so much to offer. Uh, he's going to be teaching uh, in great detail about the Go-Giver series and so much more. So, Bob, I can't wait to see you there and meet you there and, and help some more uh, people out in the business world. Uh, thank you. I can't wait to be there with you and with everybody. We're going to have such a blast. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. So, you know, uh, my first introduction, and I'm going to let you take this away, Bob, but, you know, was the book Endless Referrals. And uh, this book, uh, I have digested multiple times. Uh, it was absolutely at the core uh, of us building referral programs over decades uh, and growing businesses because of referrals. And, sir, I have you to thank for that. So I wanted to give you the public, uh, you know, praise that you deserve for all of your help there. Well, thank you. That that means a lot to me. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, uh, one, one of the many, many things, and we were talking about this before we started was, you know, everybody knows, uh, you know, 250 people that either come to their wedding or come to their funeral. And, uh, you know, in our encouragement of others, uh, I asked them to, hey, let's just call it 100, just for conversation's sake, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that works uh, really, really well. And so thank you for that wisdom. And, uh, oh, one other thing real quick. You are the originator of the phrase. I didn't know this until we recently got to know each other a little bit better of the phrase that people do business with people they. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it no like and trust, but it, it actually goes. I think the most important part of that phrase, Mike. Yeah. Is actually the first part that says all things being equal. Aha. Uh -huh, yeah. Because, you know, we say all things being equal and we could say or close enough to equal because not, right. every, you know, things aren't always exactly equal, but, you know, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust because of all things aren't equal or close enough to being equal. And then it's not going to matter if they know, like, and trust you, they're going to have to make a decision based on other information. But uh -huh. so, so it's, yeah. So it, it, it assumes equality in terms of, you know, competence, character, product, and, and so forth. Yeah. Thank you for the update, sir. I need to go back and restudy and up my game. No, I don't think so. I think your game <laughs> is, is pretty great as it is. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that as well. <laughs> so all things being equal, people refer and do business with people they know, like, and trust. Like and I've taken that to another uh, level, no love and trust because love's a stronger emotion. But Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, and, and I can't wait to get to the next level. And, and then the other series that you wrote with uh, John um, David Mann, David yeah. Mann uh, the Go-Giver series, which I've recently digested and digested uh, again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Great, great stuff. 
We're going to dive into that a little bit today. So you ready? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, let's start with something very simple. And, you know, let's face it, everybody who is either listening to this and or watching this on YouTube uh, is aware that uh, we're all in sales. But Bob, why do people buy from anybody, including me, you, or anybody else that might be, you know, listening to or watching this podcast? Why do yeah, people buy from know, you? You know, I think that's a great beginning question, right? Because it makes us think and really check our premises and go back to the beginning in terms of human nature. Why do people do things they, they do, right? And ultimately, and, and Dale Carnegie told us this, and his, in fact, I think this was the underlying principle in his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where he wrote that ultimately, people do things for their reasons, mm. not our reasons. So the first thing we have to understand is that people are going to buy for their reasons, not ours. In other words, uh, and, I, and I, I say this whenever I speak at, at, at um, corporate sales conferences where, you know, there's, there lot, the quotas are a big thing. And I was, you know, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Right. right? Yeah. You know, nobody's going to buy from you because you need the money or because you want the sale. And nobody's going to buy from you just because you're a really nice person. Yeah, Joe was saying that in the book, The Go-Giver. Yeah. His yeah. quota, right? His quota, that was exactly, exactly. And he had to understand that that nobody cared. You know, they, they weren't buying for, so why will they buy? Well, they're going to buy because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Uh -huh. And in the basically free market, you know, economy in which we, we live. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. That's the only reason why anyone that we should expect anyone would buy from, from you, from me, from, from any of us, right? Because they believe they're going to be better off. And that's great. It's right. wonderful because it means that entrepreneur or sales professional, okay, who can move their focus off of themselves, and genuinely and authentically place it on that other person, right? That's the person who earns that other person's trust. That's the person who creates that context for their success. Uh, this is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. Uh -huh. right? it's, the, it's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more than the value must come first. That's got to be the focus. The value you're providing another human being comes first. The money you're receiving is simply a very natural result of the value you've provided. So what is that value and how do you provide it? How do you even know what it is? And so now that brings up that second part that you, know, that, that you asked about. And, and then so we know people are going to buy for their reasons, not ours, but what's their reason? And here's the answer. We don't know. We don't know. We can't know because we're not them. Okay. Right. Now you're selling, obviously, you know, the people listening to this are selling a, a product, a service, if you will, that, that you kind of have an idea why people are going to, there's, there's basic, there's the basic reasons people are going to buy. However, people still have their own reasons that distinguish them from others. And unless we are, adept at discovering what those reasons are, we're going to have a difficult time having this sale 
take place. You know, many people think of, and I think this is first, and we'll, and we'll go back for a second as far as how do we know, but in a sense, Mike, I think this goes back to how people define sales, because many people think of sales as trying to convince someone to buy something, uh, whether they need it or want it or not, right? And we know that's not sales, and everyone listening to this knows that's not sales. That's called being a con artist, and that's right. not what anyone listening or watching is all about. Selling is really, by definition, <clears throat> nothing more than discovering what the other person does need, want, or desire, and helping them to get it. The old English root of the word sell was salan, which meant to give. So when you're selling, <coughs> excuse me, when you're selling, you're literally given now someone might say well berg you know that's clever and all but isn't that just semantics <laughs> and i don't think it is and i'll tell you why okay you have a person they come to your office or you're in their home wherever the this meeting takes place and and you're sharing with them about the the policy that that you're going to help them with okay you're in a sales presentation you're selling so when you're selling if selling is giving what exactly are you giving mm. i suggest yeah, I suggest you're giving them time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and most of all, value. Ah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, terribly. So if you're in sales, first, you should be very proud of being in sales, right? <laughs> right? Not, only are you the, not only are you the engine that makes your country run, uh, but you are helping other people with the exquisite value you're providing them. Okay. And that's a, that's a mindset, and so vitally important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to you know your mindset yeah. is your skill set. So you have to understand how important the work that you're doing and the professional services that you're providing are. Exactly. Back, yeah. Back to you, Bob. So very key. Yeah. Uh, you remember, you know, Zig Ziglar, of course, who was who was so fantastic, and I remember Zig. I remember hearing hearing it on one of his tapes. That's how long ago this was, and how old I am, Mike. And I remember hearing on a tape, he said, uh, uh, you know, the last four letters of enthusiasm are I-A-S-M, uh, which stands for I am sold uh, myself. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was great. Now, the key is, while we can be sold on, on what we're giving and the value we're bringing, we need to be able to understand what they find to be of value. So let's, if we can, let's go through what a, a mentor of mine, uh, uh, late, the late Harry Brown, used to call the three elements of human nature, okay? Mm. And this really is what allows us to know why a person will make a certain decision, okay? And remember- Including a back, buying decision, right, Bob? Uh, it, uh, absolutely a buying decision. And, and remember, we go back to Carnegie, ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So, so here's what Harry talked about in terms of the three steps or elements, what have you, aspects of, of human nature. Number one is that everyone seeks happiness. Mm. Now, very rarely would Harry say, or very rarely would I say everyone, okay? Um, or no one, because there's a lot of people in the world. We're all individuals. And yet, this is an aspect of human nature. Mm. Uh, it's a trait or characteristic that is, that is 
that applies to all humans. Everyone seeks happiness. Now let's define happiness, right? Because we can all define happiness different ways and it will have different meanings. So, so let's all kind of be on the same page. Harry used the definition of happiness. That's the dictionary definition. And that is the mental feeling of well-being. Okay, mm. that's happiness. So we can say everyone seeks happiness. Everyone seeks. Now it's unconscious that we seek this. Most for most, it's unconscious, but everyone seeks happiness, a mental feeling of well being. Now I define happiness a little tiny bit differently, but it, it doesn't in any way contradict uh, Harry's definition. It just takes, I think, a little deeper. I define happiness as a genuine and ongoing feeling of joy and peace of mind the result of living congruently with one's values. Aha, uh -huh. so, yeah, I love I that. In, yeah, I believe that to the degree we are living our values, we're happy. To the degree we're not, we can't be happy, right? And I'm not talking about the values we say we have, but the values we really have. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so, so but, but even go using the mental feeling of well-being, everyone seeks happiness. Um, now, so every decision someone makes is based on that. But Mike, not every decision brings happiness because individuals make mistakes. But every act is aimed at making that person happier. Okay. Now that's number one, everyone seeks happiness. And again, this is Harry Brown that I'm, I'm quoting. I don't want to seem like it's original. I'm not that smart. This is something I learned from Harry. Number two, we all have mentors. Exactly. <laughs> so happy, every, everyone seeks happiness. Number two, happiness is relative. So in other words, we all understand happiness differently. Uh, thus, we place different values on different things. What makes one person, what would make one person happy would make another person absolutely miserable. Uh, or to someone else, it might have no effect whatsoever. So I think salespeople make a mistake when we, when we allow ourselves to believe that what we understand as happiness is what someone else would understand as happiness. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. See, we all come from our own set of beliefs. Uh, these beliefs are, um, you know, these beliefs are subjective truths. They're the way we understand the world. This is a, a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, what have you. But it gets, it, it's very etched by the time we're a little more than toddlers, okay? By the time we're a little more than toddlers, our basic set of beliefs has already been set up. Most people grow up living their lives according to what I call an unconscious operating system. Mm. thinking that they are making choices based on on consciousness and, and reasoning when really it's pretty much within a matrix of what we already believe and and we didn't you know we didn't voluntarily accept any of these beliefs we were too young to yeah. you know to know this so but that's so but here's the thing as human beings we tend to believe that the way we see the world and understand the world is basically the way everyone else sees and understands the world, which makes intuitive sense. How could it be anything different? That's why you hear people saying, oh, nobody likes that. Or I, I would, you know, nobody would want, oh, everybody loves that. You know, well, it's not true. You do, you know, I might, somebody else might. 
but not everybody because everybody understands happiness differently. I do an exercise at our at our Beyond the Mastermind events when, when there's a room of 12 people and I'll say by hands, how many of you absolutely just love travel? You would do it all the time, whenever you could, you'd live out of a suitcase, you'd go to place after place and usually, you know, four or five people raise their hand. And then I say, okay, how many of you enjoy travel? Wouldn't do it all the time, but you know, you do enjoy it a couple of times a year. Well, just about everybody else raises their hand. Then I say, how many of you absolutely can't stand travel? If you never had to do it again, that's where, that's the choice you'd make. And I raise my hand and usually one other person, okay? Now you've got a room full of 12 people, three totally disparate opinions on what would make them happy, right? But the people, here's the thing. The people who love travel absolutely can't understand what I could possibly not like about it. And I look at the people who love travel and I say, how can they want to pack and have to go to the airport and on a plane and do this and be away from home, right? It's just how life is. So, so yeah. what we have to understand as salespeople is, is happiness is relative. And it's not about our happiness. It's about theirs because they're the customer and we're asking them to buy the product or service. They're gonna buy it for their reasons because they believe it will make them happier, okay? So everyone seeks happiness, that's number one. Number two, happiness is relative. Now, number three is what brings it together. And that is happiness, or uh, number three is choices, or excuse me, resources are limited. Resources are limited. Now, please don't confuse that with lack mentality, not at all. We live in an absolutely abundant universe. No question yes, about it. I agree. At the same time, as individuals, there are limitations. We all have a limited amount of time in our lives, in a, a year, in a month, in a week, in a day, okay? We all have a limited amount of time. We all, no matter who we are, have a limited amount of money, a limited amount of energy, a limited amount of knowledge, a limited amount of wisdom, a limited amount of pretty much everything. Now, because of this, we're always having to make choices. We're making choices constantly throughout the day. Uh, most of them are unconscious. Some are conscious, but we're continually making choices. And each and every one of these choices, Mike, is based on whether we believe that doing a certain thing, making a certain decision will bring us closer to happiness based on how we understand happiness and based on the limited options or choices we believe we have. Right. With this in mind, you never again, when presenting to a prospective customer, you never have to wonder afterwards why they said yes or no you know it was because that decision was based on whether they believed it would bring them closer to happiness based on how they understood happiness and based on the limited amount of choices they believe they have. And that's so freeing. That's so wonderful. Uh, because it means you now, it, it, there, there's no blame, okay? Right. There is responsibility. In other words, it could be, you know, did I do everything I could to discover what their true needs, wants, and desires were, right? But if we did, then, then we did, okay? And, you know, that's where we're responsible to people. As Bill Gove used to say, another great mentor of mine, we're responsible to people, not for people. 
we're uh, responsible to them in order to give them the opportunity to buy, to be fully prepared, to understand our product or service, to be able to responsibly answer their questions in a good, productive, positive way. To right, we're responsible to them for that, but we're not responsible for their decisions. And ultimately, as long as we did our job correctly, we can understand that they made a decision based on their you know, their particular seeking of happiness. Uh, and we don't have to be responsible for that. Yeah, so sometimes we're not doing a good enough job if we're in the sales chair, as an example. Mm -hmm. I heard you say genuine, authentic. We get, we, it's our position and we have a duty and responsibility to echo the value and to really discover and try to identify what's, what their happiness proposition is, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what people perceive is truly what they believe. Oh, absolutely. And so we, we need to make sure we're doing as good a job as possible, not only just asking the right questions to identify what it is that they exactly want to happen, but to actually deliver it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. And, you know, this is the understanding that really goes into being able to serve another human being. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Serving with a purpose. That's awesome. That is fantastic. So let's talk about something else, uh, a little bit different angle. And uh, I've heard you talk about this before, and sometimes uh, it needs a bit of background on it because people don't completely understand it. Tell us about the profit motive. Uh, this is this is something else I learned from Harry that um, was you know was was just so fantastic. And he wrote you know he wrote a, a great book. It was called "The Secret of Selling Anything." Uh -huh. and, and here's the interesting thing. Let me give you one minute of background on this. Um, Harry, I noticed uh, yours is kind of dog-eared, like my version of the go giver. <laughs> is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and so Harry, this was actually, he, he put this together in the, uh, 1960s when he was running a sales team, it was not ever supposed to be published. He had, it was just a, a, a thing he'd put together for his sales team when he passed, I think it was in 2006, 2007, um, his widow had discovered, uh, you know, on two different hard drives where, uh, he had this teaching and it was so brilliant, which everything Harry, uh, you know, wrote about was Harry was actually a multi New York times, best-selling author. He wrote on wow. everything from economics to philosophy, to, uh, politics. He wrote a, an underground cult classic, uh, called how I found freedom in an unfree world. And, uh, we, I mean, he's just, he was just a great thinker. And he was also just a yeah. very nice, kind human being, but he really understood human nature. Okay. And he respected human nature. He lived in the truths of human nature. And I think successful people uh, tend to live in truths. They, they look at, they understand universal laws. They, they learn um, universal principles, whether these are uh, the laws of, of physical nature uh, psychological nature, human nature, you know, whatever, right? Economic, they, they learn them and they, 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 they don't allow these truths to, to stop them. But what they do is they work within these truths in order to propel themselves, in order to uh, advance themselves and those whose lives they, 
they touch. So he he did not try to deny human nature. He he understood and where. And so anyway, the first so the first um, hard drive was on was understanding human nature. The second was on how human nature related to sales. So the secret of selling anything, he didn't title it. That's what the the person who ended up publishing the book titled it. Uh, Ken McCarthy of the uh, 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 the system of publishing. Um, but what Harry says in the book is the secret of selling anything need not be a secret. It's simply find out what the other person wants and help them get it. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, yeah. that sounds really complicated, Bob. Uh, exactly. And that's what I, that's one of the things I loved about Harry. He kept it very, very simple. And so, um, so, so yeah, it's fantastic. So one of the things he talked about was we, and we talked about, you know, people seek happiness, people understand happiness differently and, uh, they, um, uh, their choices are limited, so we have to work within that. Now, then he talks about something that was that I thought was fascinating. So, I, I, when I when I do this at an event, I here's what I tell people: I'm going to make a statement right now that you're going to not only disagree with, but you're going to be kind of angry about and mad. Uh oh. Um, and the reason I'm telling you this is is what I tell them is because I'm going to show you where it, it's kind of different than you think. But I, I never enjoy when I hear speakers, I'm not disrespecting any other speaker, but I'm just saying I never enjoy when I hear speakers make a statement to get a reaction and then say, no, this is what it is, right? And it makes everybody feel dumb. And this, you know, so I'm just telling you right now, this is a trick question or a trick statement. Right. Okay? right, right so so right. here it is. If you're, if you're listening so, so and watching, please don't don't judge, but but let yourself feel whatever you want to feel. Okay, so so here's the statement. Everything you do, is based on the profit motive. Mm. Everything you do is based on the profit motive. Now, what, Erg? You, you're supposed to be the go-giver guy and, and talk about how you care about serving others, the, the profit motive. You're, you're, what do you think? Money is everything? Money's not everything. And of course, you're right. Money's not everything. Far from it. Money's important, but it's certainly not, not even close to being everything. Uh, money was never supposed to be everything. Money is only supposed to give us choices. So, right. um, so what do I mean by the profit motive? Okay. So first understand this. Financial profit is simply one aspect of profit. Okay. It's important, but it's only one aspect of profit. There's profit in terms of, sure, financial but also physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, and probably a dozen other ways. So let's define profit like we defined happiness, right? Let's define profit. Profit is simply an increase in happiness, the result of exchanging one situation for a better situation. That's all profit is. Okay, it's an increase in happiness, the result of exchanging one situation for a better situation. Uh -huh. So let's let's look at an example, and and we'll do this outside the realm of of financial. Okay, there's there's two people, uh, Jack and Jill. Okay, uh, yes, of the famous Hill. All right, Jack, Jack and Jill. But that was when they were little kids. Jack moves away when he's a teenager. He and his family move away and he loses touch with, with Jill. Okay. Well, you know, they're both now in their late 20s. And thanks to the internet, they're able to connect with each other. And Jack actually moves back into town uh, and meets up again with Jill. Jack and Jill are both 
date, they're single, they're dating different people and everything, enjoying themselves, enjoying their lives, dating nice people, but they come to a decision after a while. And that is they want to have a one-on-one -on -one monogamous relationship. Okay. So what they're going to do is they're going to exchange one situation being single and being able to date different people for what they consider to be a better situation. Okay. Uh, being monogamous one-on-one. -on -one, okay. So they did that out of the profit motive. They made a decision. Okay. Uh, based on the fact that they believed it would increase their happiness right? By exchanging one situation, the single life for another, a better situation being a couple. Now you might say, well, Berg, but what happens if they, if they hate each other and they, they just, they can't stand each other and there's hard feelings when they break up. Well, uh, you know, that wasn't profit. No, but it was the profit motive. Remember, not every decision is profitable. Individuals right. make mistakes, things happen, but it's the profit motive, that desire to increase one's happiness. Now, the good news is it actually had a happy ending. They got married, had lots of great kids, lived happily ever after. There were never any problems. It was great. So, but, uh, but, you know, so that would be the problem. No, so here's how we go back. The question is this, what is your customer's profit motive? That's what it comes down to. Uh -huh. right? What is it that, what's their reason? Remember, ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. That's Carnegie. Remember, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, everything yeah. people do is to seek happiness, Harry Brown. So now let's ask the question, what is their profit motive? Once what you is understand, their profit motive? Yes. And of course, it's, it's, it's happiness based on how they, so, but that's your job. Your job is to discover your mission, should you decide to accept it, as they used to say in the old Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. Is to discover that other person's profit motive. And it's not just in business. Everyone you're dealing with in life, it's, it's discovering their profit motive. Again, not money is one element, just one element of profit. It's every aspect, every decision people make, right? What is yeah. their profit motive? And once you- What is once their profit that, motive? Yeah. And that's, that's a great lead in to what we're gonna be talking about in San Diego, October 25th through 27th this year can't wait and it's a perfect lead-in to what you're going to hear about the go-giver series which is all about focusing on that other person right it's yeah. shifting your focus off yourself placing it on them understanding that when you shift from getting to giving giving in this case meaning constantly and consistently providing immense value to others that it's not only a more fulfilling way of conducting business it's the most financially profitable way we're talking about unstoppable profit unstoppable profits i love that <laughs> and, and people who produce unstoppable profits very admiring of these people uh, just to add on one little piece uh as we begin to wrap up today bob thank you so much for the incredible wisdom i'm i got notes upon notes oh, um, and my, my mission after i leave today is go find out what is their profit motive with yeah, genuine authenticity, uh, echoing a value and everything else uh, that we can bring to the table, thanks to your wisdom and your sharing. Thank you again. Oh, Just my awesome. absolute pleasure. And by the way, I did a, um, on my blog at berg.com slash blog, I actually did a review of Harry's book. 
So if you go to berg.com slash blog and just in the in the um, in search. the uh, search, thank you, <laughs> just put in either Harry Brown and that's with an E, Brown with an E at the right. end, or or the secret of selling, and I think we'll just come right up to that article. Yeah. So you know, Harry Brown was a mentor of yours, and, and you talk about this pretty freely. And if you want to just give the short synopsis, uh, thank you for that. You know, what's the best way to find a mentor? I mean. I've got mentors in my life. You've had many mentors. You mentioned a couple of them here. Mm -hmm. You find that's important as far as making progress or? Well, I think it is because a good mentor can really cut your learning curve by, by years. And so, yeah, I I think it's a, uh, I think it's a great idea to be able to find a mentor. However, I don't think a mentor has to be that necessarily that one person over a long period of time, a Tuesdays with Maury type of thing where, you know, you meet, I think there's some mentors that they, they come into your life for a little while, others for a little while longer. For some, it might be just one great conversation. For some, the mentor is someone you read in a book or someone you, so, you know, but I, but I think, yeah, that when you can, when you can, uh, when you can meet with and talk with people and get to learn from people who've been there and done that and can pass along that wisdom, it's always a great thing. One of the mistakes I, I, I see people making, and I know your listeners, your, your viewers don't do this because they're more sophisticated, but what I see a <laughs> lot of people doing it, you know, especially when they're young is, is approaching someone with whom they don't really have a relationship yet and just saying, you know, hey, will you be my mentor? And I think that tends to be kind of productive because first, if you want that person to be your mentor, probably a lot of other people do as well. And so with that in mind, when you just ask someone to be your mentor, it doesn't distinguish you. It, it kind of in any, in a sense, it almost seems sort of um, uh, when you just feel you're entitled you know, to, to something. It's like saying to somebody, hey, would you share with me 30 years of your experience, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall? Right. Um, a mentor-protege relationship is that. It's a relationship and it takes time to build. So I don't think coming out and just asking someone to be your mentor is necessarily the, the best thing to do. However, you can pretty much approach anyone who, who you admire and whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, phone or, or, or Zoom or email, however you do it, I think if you approach the person in a way that you say something along the lines of, you know, I know you're very busy. And if this is something we either don't have time to do or for whatever reason, whether rather not, I'll absolutely understand. I'm wondering if I might ask you one or two very specific questions. Uh-huh. Now, when you do that, you've done a, a few things to distinguish yourself. One is you've let them know you respect the, the, um, the whole situation that you don't see, you know, you're not entitled to it. You realize they're very busy. You're giving them the out or back door by saying, if you're too busy or if it's something you want. And that back door is so important. The, what I call the law of the out or back door is that the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. Because they uh-huh. see that you yeah. respect their time and they don't feel as though they're being backed into a corner, right? So they have that sense of autonomy and control, which they appreciate. But the third thing you did is rather than ask them to pick their brain or to just take up their time or in, imply that you're going to take up a lot of time, you've said, may I ask you one or two very specific questions? And what that says to them is, okay, this person knows what they're looking for. 
this person's not going to waste my time. This person has an agenda. And when I say agenda, in this case, I mean that in a positive way, not he has an agenda, you know, he has an agenda. And so they're much more likely to say, you know, sure, what can I help you with or what can I do? Now, what you want to do is make sure that you don't take up too much of their time. You, first, you research them thoroughly so you don't ask them anything that could have been discovered simply by doing a search. Okay. So you ask those couple of questions. You don't take much of their time. You thank them profusely. Let them know you're looking forward to applying the information immediately. And it would it be okay if I kept in touch from time to time to kind of keep you up to date on how things are? And they're going to say, oh, yeah, of course, you know, please do. So what I would do is that very day, I would write a handwritten, and we'll talk about this at the event too. Yeah, yeah. To write a handwritten personalized thank you note to this person. Okay, not text, not email, and simply say, you know, again, you know, dear so and so, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Your information was absolutely so valuable. I'll be applying it right away. I look forward to, you know, being in touch and keeping you up to date. Best regards, right? And put a number 10 regular envelope, hand stamp it, send it. Okay. But then also that day, what I would do is I would make a small donation doesn't have to be big, just a small donation to their favorite charitable cause. You can find that out again, right on the internet or call their admin, whatever. Make the donation in their name. Now it'll get back to them. You're not doing it to kiss up or anything, right. but to again, let that person know that you respect the process, you're very grateful, and that you wanna be able to find a way to give value to them as they would understand value and to make a, you know, that small donation. So again, these are the things you can do to separate and distinguish yourself from everyone else who wants that person to mentor. Now, then, you know, three weeks later, maybe you call or email or, or whatever, you have another conversation. If a mentor-protege long-term relationship is supposed to happen, it will. My suggestion is don't be attached to it having to happen. Let it happen if it's supposed to. It might be this person was a one or two conversation mentor. Might be someone else next is a one person. Then you might meet that person who's your mentor. Who knows? But that I believe is the way to do it in such a way that you increase the odds of, of you know, the result happening as you'd like. Wow, that is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Bob Bird, thank you for investing time today to be on the podcast. Again, we are pumped and we are excited to be able to invest even more time with you in San Diego this year at bootcamp. And uh, in closing today, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I am just so stoked to be working with you. You're awesome. And I just love what you're doing, the value you're providing. And I can't meet everybody. Can't wait to meet everybody on your team and everybody in attendance and get a chance to make some new friends. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, uh, let's give everybody that opportunity. Uh, if you're on the podcast today and this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. My name is Mike Stromso, and I'm the host of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. You can find us at unstoppableprofitpodcast.com. When you go there, please make sure you go to the top, subscribe, so you don't miss one episode of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast. And if you're interested in more training to become unstoppable, uh, there's two options for you. We have a virtual training portal, which is at uppfaststart.com or our live training portal, BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com. That's where you can secure your ticket and reserve your hotel room before they're all gone to meet and see Mr. Bob Berg live. In order to meet Bob, get a VIP ticket uh, to be at the bootcamp. Again, BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com. 
Our program, the Unstoppable Profit Producer Program, is a very special program for independent insurance agents to help them grow their business, create wealth, and so you can have more freedom to live life on your terms. That's our goal for you. That's why Bob is such a perfect fit to help us learn to grow more through referrals, just simply through being a go-giver in today's society. And I've learned so much from Bob and I can't wait to continue to learn more again. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Mike. What a yeah, pleasure. you're welcome. And if you're on the podcast, we're out there on all the channels as well, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you want to see these live as well as many of the other podcasts that we produce, go to our YouTube channel. So go to YouTube up in the search bar, search Unstoppable Profit Producer, and just go to videos and you'll see uh, all of our podcasts right there uh, in live video. Mr. Bob Berg, thank you again, sir. And if you want to check out Bob's books, uh, Endless Referrals, or the Go-Giver series uh, like I have that have made such an impact in my life, uh, please grab them. Bob, where can they find these books? Uh, I would just say go to Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com, scroll down, they're there, and they can um, subscribe to my daily impact, very brief uh, email every day if they'd like as well. Very smart. Great. Op- Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, Bob, have a great day, and we look forward to seeing you soon at the boot camp. Can't wait. All right, take care, sir. Hi, Program Director A.W. here, and I just wanted to let you know that people are getting so fired up to see Bob Berg live at the Be Unstoppable Boot Camp. We want you to get your two tickets to Paradise, so please make sure you visit TheUnstoppableBootCamp.com today. We want to see you in Paradise, too. Can't get enough of the Unstoppable Profit Podcast? Come join our next live three-day boot camp in warm, beautiful San Diego. Invest in your ticket today at BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com. That's BeUnstoppableBootCamp.com.